welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, we are jumping into a message all around Holy Communion, which I love that we're taking a whole weekend talking about communion. As a church, we take communion together on the weekend services once a month, and that's awesome. Some churches do it every single week. Uh, there are many, many people that you lead communion in your small groups or within your families, and that's awesome. But it's great to pause and take a weekend and teach what Jesus taught, why we take communion. What is it all about? What's the significance? Should it mean something to you and me? And it should. I also love that we're just a part of a church that got out of a two-week healing series. Can we give God praise for the testimonies that are coming in, people that are being healed by the power of God that he heals today? And I love that during Seek Week, we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is for today. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And if you missed the healing messages from Seek Week and over the last two weekends, or the baptism in the Holy Spirit, would love for you to go to either our website or go to YouTube and you can watch all of those messages there. Also, two weeks after Easter, we actually, for the first time, uh, had a weekend that we said, hey, there were a bunch of people getting saved on Easter. Two weeks later, we had a message completely on water baptism. And I'm taking this time just to say, those are the two sacraments that we see in the Bible that we operate in as the church, water baptism and communion. Water baptism is once for the believer and communion is repetitive to continue to do it again and again and again, to remember what Jesus has done for us. And so two weeks after Easter, we talked about water baptism. Today is about the sacrament of communion. You maybe have heard the term, uh, the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Both of those are appropriate terms for communion. The Eucharist really meaning to give thanks, thanksgiving. It's the thanksgiving meal to say, God, thank you for your broken body. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. And we're gonna get into that. But every time we take communion, it's an opportunity to say thanks. The Lord's Supper really highlights whose it is. Jesus is the one who instituted communion. But let's go to Luke chapter 22. We do find uh, this uh, last supper, if you will, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels. And in John, he, he skipped that and focused on the foot washing. Uh, don't, don't ask me why, I'm not sure, uh, but you can go to John for any foot washing if you want that, you know. But Luke chapter 22, verse 14 through 20, let's read this together. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. 
The title of this message is what this weekend's all about, Holy Communion. Let's pray one more time before we jump in. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here. And I pray that we would get a fresh revelation of what communion is all about. And in just a few moments, as we partake in communion, I thank you that it is a moment to commune with Jesus Christ, to be with Christ. Lord, whenever we encounter you, let us be changed. Let us not be the same. Let us be changed every time we encounter you. So Lord, move over these next few moments. And as we take communion, move in our lives. We give you the permission. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said. Amen. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus wants to make sure that we remember what he did. And you may say, well, it was a pretty big thing, and how could I forget? Well, we are forgetful. I remember growing up, I would lose the TV remote constantly. And uh, my dad eventually said, I've had enough of losing the TV remote. And he Velcroed it to a phone cord and to the TV. And if you were a friend of mine and came over to our house, you would see this long phone cable floating through the living room connected to the remote so that we would never lose it. And it was always my fault losing the remote. I think we lost it at the end of the phone cable too. And before this message, my wife was saying, we actually probably should do that at our house because we're losing remotes constantly. Anybody else have that problem? It's like, where is the remote? Where are my keys? Where is my phone? Where is my watch? Where is my wallet? I'm constantly losing things I cannot remember. We as humans have frail minds constantly forgetting and constantly uh, losing things. I remember after having our first child uh, asking my wife, hey, how how many of these kiddos do you think we should have? And uh, it was a couple weeks after having Adley, our first, and she said, this is the last one. (laughs) But with frail minds, no offense, hon. We forget, and all of a sudden, let's go again. Let's have another child. We need to remember. We need things in our lives to remind us what Jesus has done. That's what communion is all about. And we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The book of Hebrews says, yesterday, today, and forever. And communion, it should make a difference in our lives as we remember not just what Jesus did, but there's so much richness, so much significance in what communion is all about and how it should affect our lives. We're attaching to the, to the family of God through the history of the church and the people of God. And so I'd love to talk about communion through the lens of past, present, and future. And so let's go way back to the past. I love that Jesus, they were celebrating the Passover. What's the Passover all about? What, what, what is the Passover? The Passover is when in the Old Testament, go with me. I know that there are people here new in church. I'm gonna do my best to give context and bring you on this journey. And for those of you that have been in church for a long time, or maybe just like our family, we just watched the Prince of Egypt. And so we're fresh on it. It's okay. Let's go together. Uh, 
in the book of Exodus, we see that the Israelites, who were the people of God, they were enslaved in Egypt to the Egyptians for 400 years. And God calls Moses, the prince of Egypt, who was really uh, a Hebrew, calls him to be the deliverer and says, I'm gonna use you to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. We're gonna get them out of there after 400 years. So Moses says to Pharaoh, goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And because Pharaoh's heart is hardened, he says, not a chance. And we see all of these miraculous plagues that happen in the land of Egypt. And the final judgment because of Pharaoh's hardened heart is that there's gonna be a death angel that comes. And the death angel is gonna take out the firstborn of every household even for the Israelites, unless, unless there's blood of an unblemished lamb over their doorposts and mantle of the house. If that were the case, then the death angel will pass over. Let's read this together in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. God said, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, even the animals, the firstborn of the animals. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood of the lamb shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague shall befall you to destroy you When I strike the land of Egypt, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. And so Jesus was celebrating the Passover, remembering, saying, this is a memorial. Do this for generation after generation. But can I tell you today that Jesus Christ is the unblemished lamb. He is the fulfillment of the Passover, that you who are in Christ, that have taken up the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, believing him as your Lord and Savior, the death angel is going to pass over you and you get to walk freely into it eternity in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. We might close our eyes on this side of eternity, but we're opening our eyes instantly in the presence of God forever and ever and ever. So we as Christians don't need to celebrate the Passover anymore. We celebrate communion because he is the unblemished, perfect lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Significance is in, yes, the history of the Passover, communion significance, but also when the Israelites were set free after that judgment on Egypt, they went through the Red Sea, which is awesome. That's a a whole separate thing about the significance of water baptism. Pastor Rob taught that they went through the waters of the Red Sea into their new life and freedom, into the promised land. And we, when we give our lives to Christ, we go through the waters of baptism. The old is gone, the new has come into our new life and freedom in Christ. Man, God is cool. Not just in the Passover, but there's significance when the Israelites are in the wilderness. And we kind of, on this side of eternity, are in the wilderness. There's sin, there's pain, there's hurting, there's sickness. But we will get to our promised land for all eternity in heaven. In the wilderness, they didn't have anything to eat, but God provided a miracle, 
And let's read that, Exodus chapter 16, 13 through 15. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. <sighs> what? And in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. They didn't have anything to eat. And all of a sudden the Lord sends quail and manna like bread, sends it to them and they eat it for 40 years. The Lord provides miraculously as their shoes are not wearing out and as their clothes are not wearing out, the Bible says they are eating manna from heaven. It's keeping them alive. Without it, they would die. They needed a miracle from God. Yet the manna from heaven came. Not only manna, they need water. Psalm 78, 15 and 16 says this. God split rocks in the wilderness. At the same time the manna was falling, God split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. In the middle of the wilderness, not having food or drink, all of a sudden comes manna, bread from heaven, and water out of a rock. And what does that have to do with communion? Jesus said in John chapter six, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And as we take communion, we can remember not only the Passover, that in Christ, death passes right over us. We get into eternity, but in Christ, we will have all we need because he is the bread of life and he is the living water. John chapter 6, 32 through 35 says what I just referenced. There's spiritual food and drink, not just physical food and drink, but spiritual Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. He who comes down from heaven is the bread of God and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verses 54 and 55. Whoever feeds on my flesh, Jesus says, and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. So there are some traditions of faith that believe that as the priest prays over the bread and the cup that the, 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 the DNA and the cells of the, the bread the, at the molecular level becomes, the bread becomes the physical body of Christ. And we're eating the physical body of Christ or drinking the blood of Christ. It transforms, transubstantiation. And we, we do not believe that. But there is a faith element as we take communion. That there is a faith element as we take communion 
that as you eat that cracker in just a moment, and as you drink that grape juice in just a moment, you are encountering Christ himself. As close as Adam and Eve felt to God as they ate in the garden in the presence of the Lord is how close you can feel to Christ himself as you take communion. Communion is significant because you encounter God. Another way to say it is you cannot take communion and not have an encounter with Jesus. There are people in this room or watching online where you say, I've never had an encounter with God. I've never had an encounter with Jesus. I've never met with him. And, and if you've taken communion, you have. You're just unaware. And in just a moment, I'm praying that our awareness would be lifted up. That as we take communion, you are encountering Jesus Christ himself. It is a significant, real, real moment. You can't receive communion and not have an encounter with Jesus Christ. In the early church, it wasn't just the Last Supper that they celebrated communion, but in the early church, they did this day by day. Every time that they were gathering, they would break bread together, referencing breaking bread in communion. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 44 says, and they devoted themselves, the church, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, that's communion, and the prayers. And after they took communion, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. There's something unique about doing communion, taking communion as a church. You can do it in your home with your family because the Passover was done in families. Communion can be done in families. You can lead your family in communion. You can lead your small group in communion. But there's something significant that when the whole church gathers and we take communion together, it's a symbol of the unity of the church. And it's a symbol of our connection with Christ as we all are eating the bread and drinking the cup. We're connecting, like I said, encountering Christ. And as we all encounter Christ, we're connecting with each other. It's a beautiful thing. And sometimes it can be done poorly. It can be done with the wrong heart or the wrong attitude. So how should we approach communion? There's a lengthy passage of scripture just a few verses really, but Paul addresses the church in Corinth because there's, they got some crazy stuff going on. And he reteaches what communion is all about and how the church of Jesus Christ should take it. First Corinthians chapter 11, 17 through 32 says this. Paul's saying to the church in Corinth, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you. It's a tough start. Because when you come together, it is not for better, but for worse. It's worse that the church is getting together. Whoa. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. You think you're doing communion together? It's not. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. They're getting drunk in the church. 
What, Paul says, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup, the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul's just restating, almost word for word, what the gospels say, Jesus instantly, Instituting communion, what it's all about. He's reteaching the church. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, listen, whoever drinks of the cup or eats the bread in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. They're not examining them themselves and some people are getting sick. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. It's a lot of scripture just to say, you cannot take communion and not first examine your own heart. This is why we celebrate a believer's communion. Every time we set it up, we say, we're so glad everybody's here. This is awesome. We're going to do communion. But we take that scripture very seriously that communion is for sinners, but only repentant sinners. Communion is for sinners, but those that say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Every time we take communion, examining ourselves, say, God, if there's anything in me that you don't want in me, if there's anything that I've been blocking that you want to put in me, Lord, I'm opening the door of my heart once again. Do your will. And also remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. This is how we take communion. Examining yourself, proving yourself worthy. And that can be a little bit intimidating. What does it mean to be worthy? Because we're unworthy, are we not? But to be worthy really means to be humble and repentant. John Calvin said this, this is the worthiness that the Bible talks about. The best and only kind that we can bring to God. The only worthiness that we can bring to God. To offer our vileness and our unworthiness to him so that in his mercy we may be taken as worthy. To despair in ourselves so that we may be lifted up by him. The Bible teaches, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. And he ends with saying, to accuse ourselves so that way we may be justified by him. To say, God, I am guilty and you will justify me. We've talked about the past and the Passover and, 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 and also 
the manna and the rock and the water and the significance and the symbols and that we're meeting with Christ and then the unity of the church as we encounter God, as we take communion. And it's an amazing thing. We've got to, we got to examine ourselves. God, make me right. But before we talk about the benefits of communion in the present, because we're, we're going to take communion together. Before we talk about the present, let's talk about the future and where we're going. And in just a moment, the the keys player can come on up and we're gonna have the band come and we're gonna worship, we're gonna sing and we're gonna take communion together. We're also gonna give an opportunity for anybody here to give their life to Jesus Christ and you can take your first believer's communion. But let's talk about the future because Jesus was anticipating the, the future when he instituted communion and maybe you missed it. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, what? Until he comes, until he comes. He's talking to the third person. Until Jesus Christ himself comes back. Every time we take communion, it's not just reflecting on the history of the people of God, the history of the church, the last supper, what Jesus did on the cross, his death and resurrection. It's not just examining ourselves, but it's expectancy, anticipation for the future, that Jesus is coming back, that there's a marriage supper of the lamb. Some of the old school people just got pumped. That we're not gonna be doing communion the same way, but in heaven, there's a marriage supper of the lamb where now the bride presented to Christ, which is the church, we're gonna be with him for all eternity. And we get to eat and drink in his presence forever and ever and ever. And there's a marriage supper of the lamb. And we're gonna remember Jesus, we're only here because your body was broken and your blood was shed that made access for us to get here. Thank you, Lord. And not just the marriage supper of the lamb, the return of Christ. Should the Lord tarry, man, should the Lord tarry. We, we need to live as the church of Jesus Christ with great expectation that at any second, now, now. And this isn't like goofy, like he's coming, you know, 89 reasons Jesus is coming back in 1989 because he didn't. And that was a real book. But we should live, is he coming now? And who's not saved in your neighborhood and in your family that's gonna miss out on feasting in the presence of God for all eternity? God, I'm ready. If if you wanna come now, Jesus, if you're coming now, you can come now. But if not yet, help me reach one more person. Help me reach one more person. I'm not gonna get so caught up. I'm gonna be expectant. I'm gonna be anticipating, but I'm not gonna get so caught up that I forget that there are people that if he came back now, they're going to hell. We take communion. We say, Jesus, I'm excited to be in your presence forever and ever. The only way I get there is because you did what you did on the cross. What the bread represents, what the cup represents, this encounter with Christ, this partaking in the body and blood of Christ, this this supernatural mystery, but it's a real closeness and encounter. Man, it's amazing. But if you don't come back now, help me reach everybody I need to reach, Lord. We, We have great expectation.
And so just before we close, the, the present, what this whole message really is about, if there was like one point, what are the, what's the benefits beyond remembering, beyond examining, and we've talked about it. Benefit number one, when you take communion in a really unique way, you are meeting with Jesus. Man, I just want to I just want to meet with Jesus. I just want to see him face to face. I just Lord, I used to pray as a kid, God, just walk into my room if I could just see you. I know I know you've done it in people's dreams and it's happened and you know Moses behind the cleft of the rock and I get it, you know, my face would probably be glowing and that might be weird, but God, if I could just see you. You want to meet with Jesus? You take communion. You're encountering Christ himself. The benefit. You're also physically nourished. I know that's going to sound goofy as soon as you get a cracker and a little tiny cup. But there's an element of importance there that you're physically nourished, that God's taking care of you. But more importantly, your soul is nourished. Whether you feel it or not, realize it or not, when you take communion, your soul is being fed. Just like the manna falling from heaven, just like the rock that, that flowed out of it, rivers of water that fed millions for 40 years. Your soul is nourished. We're connected to Christ, like I said, but we're connected to each other. There's a unity in the church every time we do communion. And sometimes we need a supernatural move of God to help unify us. And there's power. The same presence and power that Adam and Eve had in the garden, in the cool of the day, feasting in the presence of the Lord. The same power that was manna from heaven. The same power that the, the Israelites felt back in Egypt as the death angel passed over. Is it going to pass over? Is it going to pass over? I've got faith. I'm believing. I did what I, I said. Is it, and it passes over. There's a, there's a power to that. The same presence and power that the disciples felt when they did the last supper and Jesus was instituting it for the first time. That presence and power. The same presence and power that we see in the, the, the early church. The church as they did it day by day and they were in awe. And there were signs and wonders and miracles. The same power and presence. The same power and presence because the kingdom is not yet but it's now. On earth as it is in heaven, the same power and presence that we're all going to experience, those who are in Christ, at the marriage supper of the Lamb or at the return of Christ, is when you take communion. When you take communion, it's the same power. It's the same presence when you take communion. Jesus Christ is right there. The one who split the Red Sea, the one who made a way, the one that lived a perfect life, the one that became a perfect sacrifice, the unblemished lamb that paid for the sins of all humanity, the one, it's the same power when you take communion. Let this be something that means something to you. It's the only way to do it. We take communion, encounter Jesus Christ, and we're changed forever. Lord, we thank you for instituting this sacrament of taking communion. And we thank you that it's to be repeated 
so that we can remember and so that we can encounter, so that we can examine, so that we can become new, so that we can great expectation see you come and be with you for eternity. So Lord, move our hearts, shift our perspective that communion is a big deal because we're meeting with you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.